Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Steak and Eggs, episode 45. I am, as always, joined by Asma Gold, and Emmy is not here today. She's a little sick, but I'm sure she'll be back next week. But today we have a very special guest. We have the man who pretty much started everything, our boss, Tips Out Baby. There he is. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, man. I'm super excited to be here. I don't know about all that, but uh, no, very excited and... <laughs> I watch these every week, so it's kind of weird to be on one right now. Who's your favorite member? I hate all of you. <laughs> Smart, yeah, right decision, yeah. correct decision. Yeah. This is dope, though, man. I've been wanting to do this episode for a very long time. You're my, you were my number one guest. Really? Because you're a busy guy. You know, you, you pretty much have like no time. We have tried to get you on the show like five times. Yeah, true, it's true. Been, it's been a number of times. It's tough, man. Got work yeah. during the day, kids at night, but finally, uh, finally able to do it. So super happy about it. How that. much do you sleep? What? How much do you? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> dude. Damn. Once you have kids, you don't sleep, and once you have the second kid, like you can't, you don't even dream of sleep. Like, wow. it's just completely out of the question. Jesus, man. Yeah. Jesus, that sucks. <laughs> um, but you're happy. Next question. <laughs> 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 yeah, it is, right? yeah. No, it's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's, kids are amazing. I had to say, um, I saw your tweet today with mm -hmm. that shirt on. I thought that somebody died. <laughs> I did. I thought somebody fucking died, man. Yeah. Like, what was that? Like, what? Yeah. What are you wearing? Uh, so this is symbolic, you know? For what? Symbolic of me being born anew, you know? Oh, I've, good. I, yeah, I've shed the weight of all the bullshit behind me, and now I'm a right? new man, so I bought this suit. And uh, I feel like it looks pretty good. Yeah? It does. Yeah. You've lost weight. Yeah, a lot. A, a lot of fucking weight, which I'm really happy about. And, uh... I put on a lot of muscle too, which I'm stoked about. My new bench is uh, 235. Nice. Oh, wow. Which I'm stoked about. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, I saw Keanu Reeves bring back Homeless Chic. You know what Homeless Chic is? No. No, so essentially it's, you dress like shit, but then you put a suit coat over it, and then all of a sudden it's like you're making a statement. Oh, so like basically Mark Cuban. Yeah, so what you wear. Yeah. But then a... But a suit, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like if you were to put this jacket on, you would look like you were like doing something. Well, I do I do that for the Games Expo and yeah. then I put it away until the next Games Expo yeah. right. or the next event. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so I've actually always wanted to ask you this question because I, I don't think this has ever been talked about, but uh, you, how, how, how involved were you in the making of OTK? And also, how did you get the role that you now have in OTK, which is like the mega boss? <laughs> okay, shit. Well, yeah. um, if, you, if you can talk about that. So going back to the beginning, actually, maybe a step before the beginning, I'll give you yeah. the prologue of everything. Yeah. So originally, I met S-Band about a month or two before I started making content, I think, mm. back in 2017, he had just been banned from streaming on YouTube. Yeah. Why? Um, because he was streaming a private server for Classic WoW and Blizzard go would go through, you know how like every couple of years they pretend like they give a shit about this? Yeah, of course. Right, well, this was that two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Before everybody got laid off and there's nobody do that job. Yeah, anymore, basically. yeah no, nobody cares. Um, but yeah, so he got banned. And at the time, I was actually one of his viewers. I was watching his stream. I thought he was really funny. And I had been thinking about doing content creation. Mm -hmm. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, we should do a podcast together. Like, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about Classic WoW. You know, it just got announced. We're all really excited. And he ended up saying yes. And we we paired up with uh, one of our other friends, Stay Safe. I guess Stay Safe and Esvin had been wanting to do a podcast for a while. Yep. And so I kind of, you know, tagged along and... As I got to know S-Fan, S-Fan got to know Asman right around the same time for right around yeah. the same reason, I'm pretty sure. 
We had a lot of free time in 2017, basically, <laughs> yeah. is what he's saying. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, no, I met as fan, subsequently met Asman. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of like the prologue of, of how us three met. And obviously, Asman had relationships with, with the other OTK members prior to it. Yeah. And uh, in June of 2020... So we skip forward three years. Skip forward three years. Okay. Tangentially, well, we, we uh, hang well, out. Well, we can and, talk... And, I mean, yeah. I, I can talk a little bit about like yeah, what happened sure. between then, yeah. right? Yeah. So basically, um, we did the... Well, you were doing the CDL, the yeah, classic dueling league. Okay. And so what happened is like then... Uh, we, like me and S-Fan, like we set up a dueling tournament, right? And we did this like classic wild dueling tournament. And so this goes, you know, like actually extremely well, but it was like so fucking stressful setting everything up. And I was like, Tips did this whole thing by himself. How the fuck do you do that? Mm -hmm. And because, uh, you know, we had just done it one time and you've been doing it as an entire league. It was insane. And so I was very impressed by this. And both of you, like uh, Tips and S-Fan, were both in Method. And then Method had a situation. You were that good to be in Method? That's not the way that Method works. Let's oh, see, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, we yeah. were amazing. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were, raid we were okay. raiding everything. Real yeah. first. No, no. Oh, we were, okay. They had like a content creator program, and so we were part of that at the time. Oh, okay. Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Okay, yeah. But yeah, yeah basically, we, we had met. I had been doing these leagues. They tried to do uh, a tournament. They saw how difficult it was, I presume. And so eventually in June 2020, um, some you know situations happened with Method. And so myself, S-Fan, and I think Nick at the time as well was also signed well, to Method. Well, Nick was basically a founding member because like yes. whenever we announced OTK, we didn't announce Nick, but we had the picture of Nick's shoes in the picture of us signing all the documents. Yes. And so uh, Nick basically was a founding member, although like he didn't, we didn't announce it with Nick being part of the org. Exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought Nick was uh, announced day one. He was announced like day 14. Something like okay, that. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if this is how everybody felt, but a lot of people who I saw felt this way was like, you know, as it makes sense, as fan makes sense, you know, but what was the decision with Miz? How'd that happen? So I think that you, you, you I mean, you. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we thought that Miz, like the reason why I, I like Miz is because Miz wasn't like me. Miz yep. didn't have the same perspective on things that I did. And he did things that I didn't do. Like a lot of the things that let's say like S fan and Nick did, I also did, but yeah. Miz did something that was totally different than me. And for me, like, I think that having different perspectives and like different strengths, that's what it's all about. And so like Miz took it from being kind of like just a wow org and he made it something a lot bigger just yeah. by being involved. Yeah. And so that's the big reason. Uh, I mean, and also like his stream is doing well. We knew Miz, like we were friends with him. We've yeah. been over his house, et cetera. So like there was all that too. And so then, it literally yeah. was inviting him because he didn't fit in so much. Exactly. Essentially. You know, like the, the Yog Saron card in Hearthstone? Absolutely, where you play it and then it, for every spell that's cast, a random spell happens? Exactly. Yep. We needed one yeah. of those. You know, you needed that wild card. But I think yeah. in the very beginning, you know, before we had fully fledged out our business model, there was a bit of like, hey, what do we want to be and, and kind of what's the direction the organization is going to take? And like Asman said, Miz unlocked a completely different potential of like what we could be from like, the lifestyle brand perspective yeah. with this just chatting content and, you know, IRL stuff. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Let's have more options and Miz can kind of like help lead the way there. And yeah, that's how, uh, that's how it gets started. So 
the very first message I found on my computer when it came to like OTK was at the very end of June in 2020, you and I had an exchange on Twitter, very brief one, where it was just like something along the lines of, hey, you know, if you want to do anything, you know, after all this, you know, we should talk. Oh, for method, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then I, I, I think you had been having some separate conversations with some of the other guys and it just kind of all fell into place. Really. Well, I had, I had been approached by another org that had offered me an equity opportunity in the org and they told me that the org was worth like, uh, I'm not going to say how much, but it was a very large number of millions of dollars. Absolutely. And I was like, that sounds like a really good idea. That's, let's, let's just do that. Why, why join this one? I'll just start my own. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this. And so then after that, I started thinking about it. Then the method stuff happened. And then, you know, everything kind of just fell into place. And like, yeah, this was like right about the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then we're around the 2020s right now. Yeah. Um, so you used to make content. I want to continue down this journey, but I, I, we're in the time zone now where yeah. you released a video about uh, my sedentary lifestyle. I talked about this video before. Yes. yes. Okay, that is the video that yes. I saw that made me lose weight because you shared your story. Thank so you. I am curious... How is your health going now? Are you in a better place or what's like, because that, that video affected a lot of people or like. Sounds like I need to watch that video again, man. <laughs> um, so health wise, I'll say this. Okay. Once upon a time, I used to take my health very seriously. I used to seriously lift. I played football in high school. I played middle linebacker. You're a huge friend. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I really, really used to be into it. Um, I still am mentally. Yeah. But unfortunately, just, you know, the stresses of life, work, you know, family, et cetera. Um, it's been really hard. I think content creation in and of itself in many ways is like adversarial to the concept of fitness, especially streaming. Yeah. And for me, you know, ADHD Andy, of course, uh, like probably most of us, um, when I play games, I get this massive dopamine rush. Absolutely. And it just, it helps me just stay super connected and super invested to what I'm playing. But the second I stop, it's almost like, the faucet stops and I can't get motivated to do anything. Absolutely. So whenever I was making content as a result, I I was playing games and I would finish a stream and I just couldn't bring myself to go to the gym anymore because like all of my dopamine was like consumed basically. Yeah. Um, so I found a trick for that. Really? Okay. Yes, I, I'm the yeah. exact same way. Yeah. So first of all, I think about going to the gym as if I am playing a video game to where like I do bench press, I get plus four strength. Right, so that nice. mindset helps me a lot. But also, I just play games while I'm at the gym. So, like <laughs> okay. on cardio, I'll yeah. play Team Fight Tactics on my phone, and I do not get off until I finish the game. So, generally, I'm on there for like 35 to 40 minutes. So that helped me a lot get through the barrier of cardio. I legitimately cannot do cardio if, unless I'm playing on my phone, and I'm still going like really fucking fast. I'm going like 6.5 miles an hour, 7.2 yeah. while I'm on the elliptical trainer playing that shit. So that worked out really well, uh, and then also going with a buddy to where I can talk about like games and general interest at the same time because going to the gym alone is just fucking miserable. It's like, do I want to play a video game or do I want to go to a gym, hurt myself and be fucking miserable and sad and bored and lonely? So just like have buddies, go there with them and then, uh, yeah. No, I think that's a great idea because yeah. I go alone and it's really hard to motivate myself, but I definitely can't do it in the afternoon because again, my man is burned. So I yeah. try to go in the morning, but I think from a from a physical sense, you know, I'm perhaps not as healthy as I should be. Yeah. Um, but from a mental sense, I'm definitely in a much better place. Fuck yeah. I think content creation, again, and you guys are superheroes for enduring this. And I just want to say this for a second for everybody watching. 
a lot of people say, oh my God, streaming this easy job, you know, YouTube content creation, this easy job. I've worked in plenty of startups. I've worked all over the world in global markets. I work right now 80 to 100 hours every single week. Holy fuck. There was nothing as challenging as being a content creator. So props to you guys for doing it for so long. But, you know, being a content creator, we're constantly subjected to an audience defining your self-worth based on your viewer count or the amount of views you get in a video is freaking taxing. And I was never really able to get over that mental, you know, hurdle while I was doing it. And it wasn't until afterwards when we started OTK and I started to kind of see from you guys, you know, how you guys deal with the stress and how you guys internalize everything where I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that makes me feel a lot better and I feel like I can handle it now. But yeah. Yeah. Better place. Yeah, okay. no, that shit is crazy. It can really get in your head. I remember back in the day, I would, I would be in my head a lot. Oh my God. Like, I, you remember, like, that yeah. shit was bad. No, for sure. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Because every single time I've asked you about, like, how are things going, you're just like, oh, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you bitch <laughs> a single time uh, ever. I would say that, like, pre-2021, maybe, I would yeah. say somewhere around there, like, it was extremely stressful. Like, I, I was having such a bad time streaming all the time, like... Because, you know, my stream started doing really well kind of randomly. Yeah. And then, you know, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, easy come, easy go, right? Yeah. And so it's like it's hard to really know, like, how to approach things and, you know, to, like, think that you've, like, really done anything that's interesting or how to mm. keep people's attention. Like, now, obviously, I don't really worry about it that much. I mean, I obviously worry about it. I mean, same as anybody would. But, like, it's not like a... Uh, it's not an unhealthy degree of fixation. Yeah. So what was the swap for you? Why do you think it changed? I embraced being insane. <laughs> and so that's really the solution. It's like, you know, I used to constantly try to worry about, oh, don't burn yourself out. Don't, you know, don't stress yourself out. Don't do any of that. And then like, I went through a number of like, just annoying, frustrating, stressful situations that were just like so crazy stressful that it's like, well, it's not going to be that bad. So, I mean, yeah. it, it is what it is, right? That's yeah. your secret. You're always crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'm always crazy. That's the secret. I think that's a good point because I went through a similar thing where like a year of my life was so fucking miserable every day. Now yeah. I'm just like, well, I got through that so I can get through this. And then I also had an idea of being miserable and being stressed and then your coping mechanism is to just do nothing all day is such a fucking waste of time. What? Yeah. Like it, it worked for me. It does oh, work. Okay. It, it does. I will do nothing for a while and then I will, you know, like recover and then keep going, right? Yeah. But the the reality is that I, I think that suffering and like that kind of negativity is is part of life and it's part of it. like you it, you can't really enjoy it in the same way, but you can appreciate it for the fact that you exist enough to be able to experience it. Yeah. And so Very I profound. try to think about it from that perspective as much as I can and not really worry or get upset or angry about, you know, different situations in my life because that's just how it is. For sure. Yeah, I think, I think I'd be perhaps for someone like you doing nothing works. For me, it just, just it doesn't work anymore, man. I, w I would just think about myself from a third person and be like, I am literally just sitting here in my room feeling sorry for myself all fucking day. I just can't do that. So I just go to the gym, go for a walk, hang out with some homies play some fucking video games. Started playing Have a Nice Death. That shit's fun as fuck. Mm -hmm. Probably gonna play Blasphemous. Should I play Blasphemous one or two first? One. 
one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to grind the fuck out of that. And then I'll probably finish up Sekiro and Dark Souls sometime pretty soon. I just want to get out of the way. I'm tired of people pretending that I wasn't good enough to beat Sekiro or Dark Souls 3. I'm just oh, gonna beat yeah, because you didn't beat it. That's yeah, fine. but I could. Damn. <laughs> Damn. But, you sure? I could beat, no. dude, it's it's not even that hard. Okay, I could beat anytime I want. Before. How many of the yeah. games did you beat, Tips? The Dark Souls games. Did you um, beat any of them? I beat Dark Souls 1, okay. Dark Souls 3. The best one is Dark Souls 1. I played Elden Ring, but it came out like in the midst of OTK. That's crazy. So yeah. I didn't get to finish it. That's what happened with me and Sekiro. Hulk yeah. Star Rail came out. I had to play uh, I, I love all of them. I mean, when I, I played Dark Souls 1 around the time you were playing it on stream. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I had never played a game so enjoyable. I almost cried on stream. Like legit, like tears of joy from yeah. how much fun I was having. Like the moment that the uh, the, the the credits music plays. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, it this just happened. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I like almost fell into a depression. I was like, oh my God, like I'm never going to find joy like this again from gaming. But then I played Dark Souls 3. And like, I think, I think I still like the first one better. I do too. But Dark Souls 3, like it improved a lot of like, especially on the combat it side. It has better gameplay. Like it, Yes, moment I, to moment. And you'll see like, Whenever you play Blasphemous One, Blasphemous yeah. One is Dark Souls One. Blasphemous Two is Dark Souls Three. Okay, yeah. like and, and so like Blasphemous Two's combat is fucking immaculate. Yeah, and Blast uh, Blasphemous One, like the lore, the world building, the experience of the game is, and I, I it, it's way better than the second game. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's way better. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I am also wondering what was the idea, and if I can't ask this, let me know. What was the idea behind signing uh, Extra Emily? So, <laughs> well, um, we try to pick winners. Yeah. And I think we've done a pretty good job, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. She's yeah. she's killing it. No, 100%. Like, she is, she's going to win. I know the streamer awards don't really mean that much. Yeah. But, like, some people they do. But I, she has had such a good fucking year. Like, an insane year. I want to reveal something. But yeah. I don't know if I should. Yeah. Maybe we cut this afterwards if we think it's a bad idea. Sure. Okay. For the record. Yep. Miz and S-Fan were against signing Extra Emily. I'm going to say that live right now. <laughs> and it was me and Nick that was pushing it really, really hard. Yeah. And to be fair, I was more on the side of yes, but I was just like, I don't know. Yes. yes. You so, know, my, my perspective has always been, you want to sign somebody else new? Go ahead. Let's do it. Yep. Yep. So Miz and S-Fan were just like, nah, man. Uh, she does, uh, what does she do? <laughs> She used to always do like emotes, like real life emotes. Yeah. She'd be oh, like, Pog, God. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. They're yes. like, that doesn't work. And I'm just like, dude, no, she's great. And Nick was like, dude, she's amazing, whatever. And, uh, and yeah, so extra Emily, um, I hope you've enjoyed your success. And just know that it was me and Nick primarily that had your back. Tips um, made you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting Listen, royalty Nick, checks. Nick okay. was a very big fan. Nick was a yes. very big advocate. He he was really trying to push, trying to push for it. Yeah. Because I think that Nick saw someone who was happy, and he was like, "Wow, that's incredible." Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> that's insane that you say that Miz was against it because after she got signed, they did so much shit together. Yes, I think so. Th there was a period of time when we didn't really know who we were. Yeah. And I think when it came to talent acquisition too, like our talent acquisition strategy, there was a time when we didn't really know what we were looking for. Yeah. And I think Extra Emily had a lot of the intangibles and she had a lot of the qualities that we wanted. But, you know, I think there was a period where we were like, how can we find a talent that can fit into what we do? And we had to kind of embrace the idea that, you know what, not everyone is going to fit into what we do or who we are. Yeah if they can still, you know, work alongside us, maybe that's enough. Yeah. And I think there was a little transition there with Emily where it was like some, you know, the perspective might've been, how can Emily work in my content? And then it became, well, 
how does Emily's content fit alongside everyone else's content? And I think once we got over that hurdle, it became obvious. Yeah. Which is kind of like the same conversation we had at the beginning about Miz. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I know, Asmund, you've seen all this. Uh, but recently, Niji Sanji has exploded. Oh, God. Oh, shoot. Right? Where what Doki Bird was. So uh, do you know anything about this? Let's let's take it from the top. Okay, that's good. I need a history lesson. So there is a VTuber organization named Ninja Sanji, Ninji Sanji. and Ninja Sanji. Yeah, it's going to be Rip Bozo pretty soon. So who cares how to pronounce 100%. it? Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, they had a talent there, and I, I think it was Selen. Was that the name? It was Selen or Doki Bird or yeah, some shit. Yeah, it was Selen initially, yeah. and she had a lot of problems with the uh, with this company. And it's like just traditional idol culture, um, big black company problems in that culture. You know, like just think about all of the problems that you would see in like, I don't know, Perfect Blue or something like that. This is basically what was going on. And, uh, you know, like she, she was hospitalized because of like just mental problems, oh et cetera. God. And so she was just having a terrible time in this, yep. in this org. And uh, they release a statement about her that was like pretty much condemning her. Oh my God. And then she yep. releases a kind of counter statement. And then, well, one of the things that's interesting about VTuber orgs or like these, uh, not even necessarily orgs, but like these, these companies is that they actually own the IP for that character. Ooh, so yeah. that's what happens with a lot of characters. Yeah, now so there's for, some For Niji Sanji and Hololive, they own the IP. Yeah, they uh, own you're the image. So it's not like you can't just go... Uh, you can't go and just go do your own thing. Like yeah. you have to be a completely different person. So yeah. she leaves this company, this Ninja Sanji company, and then she goes over and she reprises her old role before she was part of Ninja Sanji, which was called Doki Bird. And like her stream just did incredibly well. Like her return stream for that character had over 100,000 views 126, on 126,000 awesome. views. Congratulations yeah. to her. Yeah, and she's like huge. sustaining like insane levels. That's amazing. Yeah. No, that's props. I mean... It's it's there's a lot of challenging things when it comes to like working as an organization in the digital space. A lot of things that would fly in like traditional media or like old school media doesn't really work here. Like yeah. we can't take a cut of your revenue. You just tell us to f off, right? One hundred percent. That's why I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. Like they used to do that though. By yeah. the way, yeah, it used I, to be normal. Yeah. I just don't understand why there are so many VTubers who put up with that shit. Mm -hmm. where they take cuts of their subs, take cuts of their fucking revenue, and then they barely even assist the girls whatsoever. And then once they try to leave, they take their identity. Yeah. Why do you think they get away with that shit? A couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I think when it comes to talent, there aren't a lot of tools or resources to really understand the business side of the industry. Okay. And a lot of talent gets into the game relatively young. You know, Soda Poppin started streaming when he was 15 years old. Yep. You know, different talents start different ages. And so there's always going to be, in an industry like this that's high growth and very, you know, compelling, there's always going to be a group of bad actors that look to exploit individuals that are, are starting off from scratch. Absolutely. So I think for a lot of these girls, it's a combination of um, just ignorance when it comes to the space and how business works in the space. Um, which it's not their fault. It's just, you know, not everyone has the resources to, to learn about all this. Absolutely. Uh, I think also, um, just from some of some of the people that I've talked to that have been in similar contracts, you know, you, you're so just, you're just so happy and grateful to be a part of the scene and to receive any form of notoriety that you oftentimes overlook certain aspects of your contract because you're just happy to be there. 
And so I think part of it is just that that glee, that excitement of, of being in this space and being recognized for what you do, you know, misleads you and, and makes you overlook some uh, pretty predatory contract clauses. I, I 1 million percent agree. I, I know a lot of people who think that if they were to leave an org, it would completely obliterate their entire Exactly. Career. When in reality, it's like, there are very few organizations, and this is me maybe patting OTK on the back a little bit. I apologize, but I think our staff deserves it. I think there are very few organizations that can legitimately show that they are uh, uh, giving growth to talent or, or producing value for a talent. Absolutely. And it's, it's very hard to get to that point where you can add that value. You know who one of them used to be was Face. Yeah, exactly. Face, like I remember a cloak, like... I remember the first phone call he had with FaZe and like me and Nick and Train were telling him, go to FaZe. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much they pay you. You're going you're gonna to win so much with this. And he did. And it was the right call. But you're right that like a lot of other orgs don't have any sort of like real like endemic audience or I mean, it, 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 you don't like saying the word, but the clout, right? And it's like, it's hard to get kind of a network of people that like really interact and, uh, you know, collaborate with each other as well. Absolutely. And sometimes they have it for a period of time, then it goes away and then yeah. they're left with nothing. So for me personally, you know, when I think about, you know, incentivizing you guys as, as creators, it's okay, you know, how can we add value to Tectone's stream? Okay, maybe there are some ways we can, maybe there are some ways we can't. How can we add value to his career? You know, how can we give him opportunities, for example, to relax one day when he doesn't want to stream anymore? hey, we've got this new company launching. You know, is this something you'd be interested in? Come on, join us as a partner. Um, hey, we've got these new resources that we have access to. You know, we might not be able to help you on this specific stream or this specific arc of your career, but there's something else that we can add value for. So I think it's on the business to understand the talent's needs and to plan out how they can present value to the talent long-term, especially if they're looking to take like IP rights and stuff like that. Like, in my opinion, that's just a no-go. Like, if you're doing that nowadays, you're going to get called out on it one day or your talent are going to look in the mirror one day and say, hey, I'm worth it. I'm worth way more than what they're giving me. 100%. So it's on the org to really, you know, uh, brainstorm ways to incentivize talent long-term. I'm going to open this cookie wrapper and it's going to be really loud. Go for but it. But then afterwards, I'm going to ask you a crazy question. <laughs> okay, <for sure. laughs> what kind of cookie? Control cookie, protein. Ooh, holy Control. shit, those are huge. Yeah, this thing is fucking massive. Okay, so here's my question. With pretty much a lot of VTuber orgs being outed currently for being scummy as shit, mm -hmm. what is stopping you from making one? A VTuber org? Mm -hmm. We did. Um, <laughs> we did? Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, honestly, um, I've watched enough of your stream and seen enough oh. of the drama that results in the VTubing <laughs> side of things. They're like, you know what? That's not really something that I'm interested in. But I think, no, like... Uh, I think in terms of, you know, a, a content collective, what we have at OTK is really special. And I think, you know, just personally, my focus in, in terms of how we can uh, make this organization last long term and, and, you know, continue to provide, you know, value to our creators and, and our team is produce businesses that um, have a much more, you know, produce businesses that are more future-proof, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Media collectives and content collectives, just like bands, for example, they hit and then they last for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Jonas Brothers want to go their separate ways or the Backstreet Boys want to do their yep. own thing or whatever it is. So I think, you know, from a business model perspective, 
content collectives. I don't look at them as like the end-all be-all of what you should do in the creator economy. Mm -hmm. I think they're a great launching point for a brand that can then be leveraged to start up other businesses. But starting more creator collectives, it was a thought that we had talked about earlier on, mm -hmm. but I think we're at the point now after the success of Starforge and things like Mythic and, and you know, building up Mad Mushroom where, you know what, maybe our efforts are better placed elsewhere. I have that. So, would you ever sign a VTuber? Just one? Or no? It's something that I would strongly consider and I wouldn't use that as a factor to make a decision against it. Okay. And so the answer pretty much is yes, absolutely, I would be willing to do that. Uh, also, like, yeah, there are a lot of VTubers signed to Mythic. I mean, that's really the True. truth. And, and that's- They make that's, a lot of fucking money. Yes. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. And, and that's something that we try to do as, as authentically and, and as fairly as possible because you're totally right. That, like, a lot of people do get totally finessed, totally get taken advantage of. Mm. And yeah, I mean, owning their, owning their character, what the fuck? Weird and shit. it's like, I get- like, it's a totally different culture. It's a different group. But, like, from my perspective, I mean, looking in from the outside, this seems extremely predatory. <laughs> and it does. Yeah. And I, I find it to be problematic. Uh, obviously, you know, these companies are free to do whatever they want to do. And the people that are in there can join and do that. And the truth is that big places like the Shoujo, Hololive, etc., uh, maybe Nijasanji before this situation they do have a certain level of clout, right? Yeah. And they do offer a value proposition to joining. So I think it kind of makes sense why people would feel like they want to join or they want to be part of it. But at the same time, it's clearly not good for them in the long term if they're actually successful. For sure. And, you know, to to represent the, the corpus side for a second, like if if those organizations are able to tangibly demonstrate value that scales linearly with, you know, the, the other side of the table then I think they can make the case for it. Like if you told me right now, hey, Niji Sanji or one of these organizations wants to sign me as a VTuber and they're going to do all the work and set me up and you know, I'm yeah. going to go from zero to an overnight success and make all this money, then I do think there is, you know... There's some ownership in that. There's some sure. ownership in that. I think they, you know, the, the compensation structure, I'd be flexible with it. But the problem is that regardless of, of you know, whether or not it makes sense, Bit from a business standpoint, it just doesn't work anymore. Like in the digital age, creators are empowered. They know they're empowered. Whether or not they know today, at some point, one year, two years, three years from now, those VTubers are going to turn around. They're going to be like, hey, you guys are taking way too much. So I just don't think it's, it's not even about whether or not it's fair. I just think it's a, it's a bad business model. Yeah, I mean, they do a similar thing with uh, idols in Japan. Mm. Have you heard of idol culture in Japan? Is that the prostitutes? No. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, sorry. I just, I just watched something about uh, yeah, yeah, the host. Sorry. Yeah, that's the, what it was. The, the host club? Oh, okay. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. The host, the host thing. There was some controversy recently that I saw a video about where this uh, lady got busted. Yes. Uh, because her, I think I was watching one of your videos, actually. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I, wrong yeah. connection. Apologies. Uh, yes, yeah, so like the idol culture in Japan is like they yeah. give you a gimmick. You live as that person. Uh, you're not allowed to date, publicly at least. And okay. then uh, essentially when they're done with you, generally when you turn like 21, 22, they just throw you to the curb and they get more people to worship as their idols. Oh my God, okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of similarities between that and uh, what Hololive and Niji Sanji did. But uh, in my opinion, right, is the dream of mine is for one day for OTK to have a VTuber. I've probably yeah. talked to both of you guys about this. Uh, where there's a dude, there's this dude called Lord Athelstan. 
best fucking VTuber on the goddamn platform. Super underrated. Super fucking underrated, right? We signed this guy, right? We get him on, we yeah. get him on OTK. He's half human, half VTuber, depending on the stream, depends on what he does. <laughs> but he has all the ins with all the VTubers, right? So we sign him, we get in there. Then it's for an out stream. Slowly, one by one, we all turn into our VTuber avatars, right? We have the Asmogold VTuber, oh, the Mizkit mm. VTuber, okay. and then bada bing, bada boom, Aethel's announced, fucking massive fanfare. And then now that we used his signing, he's with us, but now we have the in to the rest of the VTubers because VTubers are very racist. They're okay. very racist. They will, not co they will not collab with you unless you're a VTuber. Okay? Got it. I mean, you've seen Fillion's game show, the VTuber, VTuber only game awards. That's fucking insane. And the amount of, oh. Oh, the, you see the post on Twitter too, the uh, we are only going to play with VTubers. It's bullshit, right? <laughs> so we all get a VTuber model. We get a new VTuber and then, uh, you know, that's another, that's a lot of alleys open for a lot of us. So I just feel like it should be very considered because <laughs> he's a very good content creator. I'll say this. We won't rule yeah. anything out. Great. And you, Lord Athelstan, if you're watching this, yep. Tectone always praises you behind the scenes, not just on camera. Yes, I, I think do. he's got a crush on you, honestly. It, well, he's taken. Okay. Nanners. Oh, Beautiful Nanners. True. Okay, for sure. But yeah. no, I, I mean... I think, you know, when it comes to, again, just going back to the band metaphor, mm. um, Van Halen is great. 50 Cent is great. Yep. 50 Cent as a part of Van Halen, it's like, I'm not so sure, yeah. right? I'm not uh, sure. 100% agree. 100 so agree. I think, you know, if we yeah. were ever to go down that avenue, it would definitely be the, okay, how can we start a VTuber group? If we can collaborate together alongside each other, I think that could potentially, you know, present value. But yeah. we want to make sure that group stays as authentic as it can. And, it, it, just to be completely honest with you, the technical challenges of integrating VTubers into our content, you know, I think we underestimated them in the past. Yeah. I was pretty surprised whenever I saw the Fillion show. Like, yeah. oh, the way amazing. that she was on that show was with yes. like We yes. Play, that was nuts. Amazing. Like, I, I was expecting this to be like some copy pasta GIF thing, you know, on the screen. But man, it actually looked really good. Really good. Absolutely. And I think if you, again, if you just slotted one of us in there on stage, it might have broke the immersion a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, definitely, I would love to do more stuff like that with other VTubers for sure. Yeah, Fillion is also doing insane. Absolutely. She is. Absolutely insane. Yes, big fan. Yeah, Fillion, Shy Lily, Lord Athol, Nanners. Oh man, Nanners is the best. But yeah. Just thought I'd throw my uh, name in there because right now I feel like we're in a uh, I'm Nick and then you're Mizkif right now in regards to oh, for sure. uh -huh. extra Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I've sorry. Been, <laughs> I, I've been very impressed with how, how well everybody, I, I feel like everybody's been doing really well, yeah. right? I mean, this has been a very good time for us and uh, things are just going well. Uh, not a lot of... Uh... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see. Uh -huh. Just got to knock on every piece of wood <laughs> yeah, in this office yeah, right now. Yeah, man. yeah, right. <laughs> and so, but no, I mean, things have been fine and I've been, you know, I've been satisfied with it. There's been, you know, obviously there's always going to be ups and downs, but right now I'm pretty happy about how things are. So yeah, especially with like, all the talent, everybody, I feel like, is doing really well. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. bringing Will on is going to unlock so much crazy the stuff. The Will like, signing is I, insane. Absolutely. Because he is the fucking man. He's like, the, the best. Dude, you forget how cool he is until you see him in person. Like, I never damn. forget. <laughs> He's the coolest, <laughs> man. Dude, yeah. he, he was one of my number one people who I wanted to join OTK for a very long time. It was very magical meeting him from the first day. We met uh, during uh, Elden Ring sponsor, which was fucking awesome. We were doing that. It was uh, me, him, uh, and Bruce, actually. Uh, it was a wild sponsor. And uh, it's, he's just yeah. a very magical guy. A 100%. very magical guy. And then I met him first time in real life. Shoved his hand so far up my ass when he he slapped me on the ass really hard. Okay. Like really hard. I wasn't All sure right. where I was going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but... Uh, 
I'm just, I'm really glad he's part of the org. It's very cool. 100%. Good times for sure. I think one thing we've always, we haven't done a good job of, and I've, I've bonded over Miz with this quite a bit, is whenever things are going well, we never kind of stop to smell the roses. Yeah. So this time around, I'm definitely like, you know what? This is a good time. Like, definitely want to appreciate these moments. I remember thinking that whenever I was watching the Will video, and I was like, this is really good. Yeah. Like, this is actually... Amazing. Shout wow. out to Finn, like, Jay, everyone yeah, that worked on I, it. it I couldn't amazing. even believe that. Yeah, it was just, it was so far above what I would have expected at all. Absolutely. It's moments like that where you're like, oh, wow, like... It's actually happening. It's happening, yeah. We yeah. did that. Like, this is... We did this, and then it even gives you a glimpse into the future of like, wait, we could take this in a completely different direction, or, you know, we could expand it to something that we never thought was possible with, like, movies. We were talking about right before we went, uh, we went live. Like, you know all of a sudden you put out this essentially like short film and we're all looking at each other like, should we Should we make a movie? Like, is Absolutely. this something yeah. we should do? And, uh, you know, just trying to find ways to, to unlock those possibilities on the economic side is basically my job. Yeah. I mean, right now for OTK, I mean, we, we have a pretty good member for like each slot, to be honest. Yeah. Like extra Emily just chatting, me for Gotcha, Asmogold for pretty do, much everything, to be honest. Games? Do games and yeah. commentary so, mainly? Yeah. 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 And so, like, do you think there's any category that we don't have a member for right now? I think there's a ton of categories we don't have a member for. The question is, is there a category we don't have a member for that can organically integrate with, you know, our current approach? Yep. We don't have an FBS gamer. Exactly. You know Dr. Disrespect. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be insane. Oh, my God. So, how would we even have them at events? Like, what would, what would it be? It would have to be like a... Uh, like a stand-in or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That would be fucking... Like, just thinking about how to get around that would be would be very funny. Yeah. There's so many cool things we could do for announcement video, too. It'd be insane. Yeah. yeah. Things are going well. Super, super happy about it. Starforge, Mythic, or Mad Mushroom. We announced Atomic Picnic recently, which was yeah. our first Mad Mushroom signing. Um, a couple more signings, you know, along the way. And some uh, some big news coming during the expo this year. So... When, when's the expo? June 4th. June 4th. You nervous? Yes. Well, no, it's far enough away to where I can just pretend like it's not real right now. Yep. I won't get nervous until maybe a week or two before then. Well, Asma, then I got I some will. good news for you. Oh, really? I'm not sure you know this, actually. I'm not sure either of you guys know this. What's maybe that? you can check Discord. But we actually today just hired Avali May. We have her as a part of our yes. team now. She's our executive oh, producer for the Games shit. Expo, for the Video Game Awards, some other content we're doing. Yeah, we just hired her. That's insane. I know. She's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, so hopefully it takes less some work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm I'm happy. You changed anything this year? Am I going to change anything? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are you going to wear a shirt this time? If I'm invited, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, to me, it's. I, I feel like last year and the first year, like it went really well. Like the one thing that I think is probably shorten the show up, tighten the show up a little bit, make sure that we're showing, you know, like, we we keep the energy of the show the whole time. It's like a five. It's been like a five hour show. Yeah. Maybe cutting that that down a little bit would probably be a good idea. But obviously, there's a lot of games we want to show, a lot yeah, of things good. we want to go through, and so you know, it's hard to know like where exactly to to meet in the middle there. And that's what we try to do every year. I think I helped by not wearing a shirt. I agree. Yep, because so All many people the saw criticism that was about that one thing. Yep, but that one thing. Yeah, drew people in, and then you know if there was any other issues, well, they didn't know because I was there being a dumbass. Yeah, exactly. Can I say something about you real quick? Sure. Okay. 
everyone does the dick tone meme. And maybe you like it. I don't know. And I don't want to ruin uh, your, your persona if that's what you were going for. Sure. But I just want to say again, because I have an opportunity to... Tectone's the nicest guy, man. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> unless, you know, we don't interact too often because I'm busy, you're busy, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I, I never understood that, to be honest with you. You are loud. You're very yeah. loud. So, uh, But yeah, I'm I, deaf. I'm like part deaf too, so it, it works. Oh, are you? No, but I'm pretty sure I am. Oh, I'm okay. not diagnosed, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I can't hear crap. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. I, uh, I really like being a dick on the internet. It's yeah. just too fun, man. It's yeah. too fun. I I as much. Like, I mean... Uh, what am I going to do? Go live and just like be nice. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't sound fun to me. That's, that's what I like to do. I like going on games and shit talk people. Like I've never once been on League of Legends and be like, wow, guys, you're really good. I'm just like, wow, top lane, two kills behind. You should <laughs> fucking, well, I don't want to say that on the video, but it's just, <laughs> it's so much more fun. Then let me take that back. He's a terrible human being. <laughs> yeah. He's the worst guy I know. <laughs> I didn't think the, I didn't think you not wearing the shirt like, because I grew up with a bunch, of, I slept in a bed with five dudes before, right? Yep. So like, whenever I saw like you just like sitting there with the, the what do you call it? Like whatever it is. White like beater. The, Yeah, or the white top. beater, white tank top. Like, yeah, it's like, I thought it was different. I thought the white beaters were only white, but I have no idea. No idea. But anyway, the point is that uh, I didn't even register that as being <laughs> problematic. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, there's Tectonies over there. It's like, yeah, this is not a big deal. Because I guarantee you that probably the guy that was there probably really didn't give a fuck. Absolutely. Yeah, probably not. He probably you know grew who up... gave a fuck? Who? Soda. Soda did? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He was not happy with me. He caught me in the airport, yeah. berated me for like 40 minutes. Like, yeah. Why do you always do this? Why? Is it, it's a professional setting, Tecton. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And that's why, that's why I was really glad Soda joined. Because I do yeah. think we also need somebody who's like, you know, the mom. Yeah. And yeah. he very much is the mom. 100%. Yeah. He's but, the mom. Nick is the dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, Soda will say things that other people will be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. And he'll he'll make a big deal out of it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you think it doesn't matter? It'll matter to him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you should have seen his react to me playing uh, Dark and Darker. Oh, really? Yep. Was he, he mad? Re he VOD reacted. Yeah. For my whole lot of Dark and Darker. Oh my God. And the amount of hate threats I got because Soda said I was bad at Dark and Darker was yeah. insane. Uh, but yeah, he's so fucking funny. I'm those, starting to see more of those games come out, those Dark yeah, and Darker mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. New one just came out. or had Dungeon Born. Dungeon Born. I was just talking yeah. to them today. Um, it came they, out today? No, no. It's been out for a while. Okay. Actually. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's... How much have you played of it? Um, I didn't play any of it. But, I haven't either. Um, we, we've been talking to them for a while. Um, they reached out to us over a year ago telling us what they were working on. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think that genre is really cool. And I think they've, they've managed to put together something that's, that captures the essence, I think, of what some of their inspirations were while iterating upon it. So yeah, I mean, they got like, they went from like 10,000 wish list to like, Four hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah. Like they it's announced that much. Yeah, the same. something crazy. Wow. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Boys, want to give a special shout out to our friends over at Gamers Up today. They recently launched a new product called Gamer Soups. It's like sups, but it's soup. It's a Hilarious joke. Wow. It's just ramen. Great for all gamers. You need a quick and easy snack at home or on the go. They got a variety of delicious flavors to choose from, like chicken, beef, or vegetable. You got to check them out. Head on over to gamersups.gg to order now and use code OTK for 10% off your purchase. Thank you, Gamersups. Now, if you don't mind me, back to gaming. 
Damn, that's good. Oh, also, I, I just got to ask, because I'm sure you've been on Twitter lately. I'm sure you've seen the post. Uh, are we signing Amaranth? Oh, yeah. We're signing... Well, she'd be buying in. So yeah, it'd be, buying a in. it'd be a whole different situation. Yeah, she wants 10% of OTK. We're going to have to have our people talk to her people and yeah. figure it out. Let's just say that check's got to be pretty big, okay? It's got to yeah. be pretty big for us to consider it. 10% is, 10 is insane. That's a lot. Like, that's a fucking lot. It's yeah. a lot. Of, it's a lot. It is. Especially for, like, right now, it's probably probably the best OTK has ever been in, state-wise, I would say. Would, is that fair to say, or is that not fair to say? I mean, now I think that's up turn. to you guys and the viewers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, think that's, I think ultimately it's up to the audience. Like, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we follow the whims of the audience. And if people are liking it right now, then things are going good. Okay. I think that we need to do more casual mm -hmm. events that we used to. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that we're doing where there's a lot of production value. I think we need to do more shitty events. That You're take totally very right. I yes. called them micro events whenever we had meetings about it privately. Yep. And I've talked about this explicitly. Uh, I wish yep. that I didn't live so far away because in other cases, I'd probably do it. I think that what we really miss out on is playing video games Absolutely. in Discord mm -hmm. with three people randomly, right? Yep. That's the one thing that's really missing because obvious, and, and it makes sense that it's missing. And I don't think that there's any sort of like a underlying bad reason. And in fact, I think the reason is good why it's missing. It's because everybody's been really busy. People have been farming their stream. People have been doing really well. But of course, that does, everything has a cost. Everything has an opposite effect. And so because people have been doing so well, being focused so much on this and like, you know, we've been growing. I mean, like for the ownership, right? We've been working with Mad Mushroom, doing that stuff and, you know, like figuring out stuff with like Starforge previously, especially, right? Whenever it first started. So like all of that energy is being invested somewhere else. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah, of course it's problematic. It is a good thing. But at the same time, I agree with you. I think that you're right. It would be yeah. a lot better if like, for example, you know, people have been asking me to play like Monster Hunter with you, right? Yeah. Or like, I mean, I think that you started playing like Grand Blue Fantasy too. Yep. And uh, so like, yeah, something like that would be very casual, very clean, very easy. You know what we should it's play? It's easy. What's that? Helldiver 2. Ooh. Have you seen that shit? I have not played it, but I'd be down to play it. Bro. Yeah. Have you seen that game, Tips? I was watching Co playing it today. Yeah. Holy fuck. It is... One of the best gaming experiences I've had in such really? a long time. No, You've oh. played it? Oh, I played the fuck out of it. Really? I yeah. See, like, whenever I watch, because I was watching, uh, like, Sequisha, I watched yeah. Shroud play it, and it's like, the game looked good, but yeah. it didn't, it wasn't like, oh my God. It, it scratches the Left 4 Dead 2 itch for me. See, I never played that one, so oh, I'm okay. not sure about that. Yeah, so okay. it, it's like, you know, it, it really feels, it does feel like it's meant to be a couch co-op. Well, what's the game loop for that? Oh, so it's essentially, you drop down, there's a couple of optional objectives you could do, but there is a main objective you have to do. Well, it, so it's like Monster Hunter. It's a hunt game, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a hunt, hunt game. You know, game. So okay. generally, you'll land, yeah. you fight bugs. How big are the bugs? Who knows what mission you're doing? Do you have to go in and bomb their home that way the bug's stopping? Or do you have to fight one massive bug together as a team? Yeah. And like, these things are hard. And you die a lot. It's extremely punishing. Yes. And yeah. it's... It's also very immersive because they've slowed down a couple things that gamers are like used to doing very quickly and it doesn't feel bad. It feels very good because it's slowed down. Like, so for example, instead of throwing a grenade, right, or pressing, uh, press right on the D-bat to call an orbital airstrike, it's press right trigger to pull out the command panel and then you press right trigger and then the command panel comes up and then you got to input certain key codes in the middle of battle yeah. while there's hundreds of bugs coming at you where it feels like holy shit enter passcode then you get the orbital strike yeah. then you throw it and then the countdown starts eight seconds so this shit comes down and it makes it feel so fucking hype 
Yeah. It's real. I don't know what the public thinks about it, but I've been playing, the, I've playing, I've been playing a shit ton of it with uh, Athel Nanners. People have been extremely positive about Helldivers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad to hear that. It, overall, like, I've heard some people say what I'm saying, and, like, I told people, like, even whenever I was playing it, I said, yeah, this game didn't really look that appealing to me. Yeah. But I remember that's what I thought about Monster Hunter. I thought Monster yep. Hunter looked like trash. And then I played it, and it was a, one of the best games I've played in a long time. Yep. So I think that that could be the dynamic with Helldivers, too. 100%. Also, have you played Monster Hunter? I haven't, but Zach was... I know you're big on it. Zach was talking about it in a yep. meeting the other day. Yeah. I'll get to it. I've got like a list of so many games, man. I've I haven't been, really been playing games for like three I, years. Man. I've been playing Monhan uh, since the PSP era. Ooh. Yes. PSP. PSP. Dang. Yes. I mean, this shit is old, old, old. It's one of the best games you'll ever play. The immersion is insane. And the best thing is the monsters that you fight actually fight like monsters. Like, Ooh. so for example, it's like, okay, so you go and you play a random fighter, you see a dragon, oh, it breathes fire and has a tail swipe. Oh, man. Yeah. Feels like every other dragon, but like with, uh, for Monster Hunter, every single, so example, they, they, they design the monsters first mm -hmm. and then they design the fights around how would this monster actually fight? Oh. What are its weak points? Why are those that weak point? Yeah. When you fight the monster, also if you injure it in certain areas, then it can't do certain moves. Ah, which is, it's fucking awesome. Like you, sick. you fight a dragon, you cut off the tail, no more tail swipe. You fight a dragon, you fucking break its teeth, no more fire. It's so cool. And like Monster Hunter Wild is coming out in 2025, which you're going to have to play it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's like the, is it a, is that a DLC or is that like a whole new game? It's a whole new game. Dang. Okay. Whole new game. I'll, 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 I'll bookmark 2025 Monster Hunter Wild. Yeah. And, and it's not like a, a Monster Hunter side game because there's main Monster Hunter games and then there's side Monster Hunter games. Main Hunter, uh, main, the majority of main Monster Hunter games are a lot slower. The side games are generally, they experiment to mm. where like, let's try some crazy shit to see which things the community likes so we can drag it back into the main games. But uh, Monster Hunter is kind of like, Dark Souls fans will love this game. Oh, dude. Okay, yeah. I'm sold. 100%. I'm ready to go. Dude, so many good games have been coming out, man. It's nuts. Like, I actually don't have enough time to play video games. Yep. So, do you want me to, to dish out some industry knowledge for a second? I'd love that. So, this is crazy. More games released the past three years on Steam than every other year combined. What? Yes. That's a fact? Well, yes, that a, is a fact. A video game singularity? So, last year... Yes, we are, actually. Funny <laughs> enough. So, last year, 15,000 games approximately came out on Steam. Yeah. This year, estimates are anywhere between twenty two to 29,000 because of all the COVID development that happened and people switching careers. Holy shit. 100. The top 100 games on Steam make up 91% of the revenue. The prohibitive factor of a game's success is no longer how good it is, but how well it's marketed. You know, which is kind of why we started Mad it's Mushroom. Convenient. This is our big, th our big thesis. Yeah. Is like yeah. the saturation is getting to a crazy point where even AAA studios, you're seeing all these layoffs. Why are these layoffs happening? It was so sad to see the Prince of Persia game, man. Yeah. Like it was so sad. What's the problem? Because it only sold apparently like three hundred thousand copies. And yeah. I mean, the truth is that the like the market sees a Metroidvania game and they think this is an old game. It's not worth sixty dollars. Yes. Yeah. Now, as somebody who bought Castlevania and Metroid for $50 and $60 back in the 90s, or at least my mom did, um, I had no problem buying this game, right? And also, I'm a streamer. It's a big advantage, too. Yeah. And the game was great, but people see that, and it's like everybody always says, oh, we want smaller-scale, simpler games, but then they come out, and people just like, it just doesn't catch on. 
and I felt so bad about the Prince of Persia game because like that's an example. Like that's a Ubisoft game. Ubisoft is a AAA studio, and I know people hate on Ubisoft, but this game was actually a, this was a, a fundamentally good game. If that game came out five years ago, right now it'd be like hailed as one of the best games of the year. Would have won awards, millions of copies sold. The problem is there's just too much coming out, and there's a reason for that. The big reason is game development is being becoming democratized. We're like. Anybody, literally kids, can make games now. Yeah. Um, there's people that have had virtually no experience playing games. I think similar to one, of, one or two of the Pal, Pal World devs. Virtually no experience making games before. Now, in just a few years' time, are able to match or exceed the quality of like developers that have been in the space for like 20 years. So Jesus. that in combination with just the booming indie market, um, improved ways for, for indies to distribute their games, so like Steam and stuff like that, everything's changing. So yeah, game development is like going through a massive transition. AAA is suffering because it used to be if you were a AAA publisher, um, you know, you just, you stocked your game in Walmart or Target or wherever it was, GameStop, and you know, you could sell a certain amount of copies because you controlled the distribution or at least you had inroads with the physical distribution. Of course. Nowadays, AAA is playing pretty much on the same leveling field as everyone else. They've got more marketing channels. In some cases, they've got more relationships with press and stuff like that. They, they perhaps have more optimized uh, influencer marketing campaigns. But ultimately, like, it, there's a ton of big AAA games that have released that weren't like huge IP that just tanked. Yeah. And that's why it's one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of these layoffs. And I think one of the big reasons why games don't do well is because they suck. <laughs> that's the reason. I'm not going to go and make, you know, name names or anything, but... If you look at Starfield, yep. that game <clears throat> had a lot of fucking problems. Yeah, it sucked. It did. It sucked. And it's like, really, well, why isn't this working? Because like back in the day, Starfield would have probably been viewed as a relatively good game because you didn't have the same level of criticism. You didn't have the same level of analysis. And you also didn't have the same level of play. Like, and also people weren't as engaged as they used to be. Yeah. So it's like Starfield was the game that came out. And also because there are so many other games that came out, like, yeah, Starfield is good, but there's also No Man's Sky. And then there's also like five of these other games that are similar to this in another way. Yeah. Or other games that are totally different, like Baldur's Gate 3. So it's like, why is somebody going to go and sit down and play that? Whenever Did you beat they that? What? Did you beat Baldur's Gate 3? No, I only played the demo in 2021. Okay. I've not even played the actual game. I have also not beaten anything past chapter one, which yeah. really sucks. I, I know how good it is, but I saw Co Carnage's review, whose opinion is just like... He's the guy. He is the guy. And he said that uh, part three was about uh, a seven out of 10 when compared to part one. Well, they've updated... Whenever he made... I know the video you're talking yep, about. So they've updated and improved uh, part three from what I've heard like just reading like their updates and their patch yeah. notes and everything. So it seems like that's something that's kind of being improved a lot more. Fuck yeah. And also like that's, I, I feel like that's a really good insight because whenever, no, like Co-Carnage had that opinion, but I think that most people probably never got past act one. Yep. So like from their perspective, this was the greatest thing they've ever seen yep. because they never see any other uh, of the, of the end game content, which is like, what's really sad for me is like, I see a game like Armored Core 6, and it's like Armored Core 6, it just gets better and better and better. And it's like, at the end of it, it's just fucking insane. But it's like, you don't really even get to that point because, well, you know, like most people just don't really finish games. It's sad. It, it does really suck because I'm having that yeah. issue too. Like, there's been so many games that I really enjoyed, but then I just, 
didn't have the time to finish them. Yeah. Really fucking sucks. Like, I played a Abyss school recently. Uh, that game was dope. Poppy's Playtime Chapter 3. I just, I don't have the attention span to finish games. It's a really bad habit. I'm actually thinking about just doing another subathon or follow-a-thon because I don't, I don't really feel like doing another subathon, to be honest. But I, I just need an excuse to finish the games that I've started. But it's so fucking hard. 100%. Especially if you do it as a career and, like, you've got so many things to consider. But Yep. No, I'm with you, dude. There's just so many games. And, like, the beauty about a lot of great games, like the best games, they're timeless. So, like, it's almost like the your the the human cultural capacity of games is, like, filling up. And it's, like, limited. Because you can play, like, Brotato 10 years from now. I'm obsessed with this game. I'm sorry. You can play Brotato. What is Brotato? Yeah. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of it? Okay. I need to play this, man. You just keep talking about it. So, I, I can't, I've got, like, 70, 80 hours in this game. It's, like, Bro-tato. a $3 game on Steam. Okay. Um, you play Vampire Survivors, obviously. Absolutely. Love that game. So, it's basically Vampire Survivors, but like an added layer or two of depth if you if you think about it, think about it that way. So like Is this like is this like Super Meat Boy meets Vampire Survivors? Or no? Um, it looks like uh, it looks like Binding of Isaac. Yeah, kind of. You're in, you're in a single room, you're in like a single static, static yeah. room. Um and there's just constant waves that come out and then after the end of each wave, it goes to like a buy menu and like you buy different items and upgrades and stuff like that. Very, this looks good. It's so good. It is like I, it's funny, Blobfish, the, the publisher, I messaged them on Twitter, the cringiest message, where I was just like, dude, I love you guys. And like that, yeah. or something like that. But um, but yeah, no, like, there's games like this that are going to be good 10 years from now. Dark Souls is a great example. That game is going to be good forever. If they bring out Elden Ring 10 years from now, it will still be Elden Ring. Exactly. If they bring out Elden Ring 10 years ago, it will still be Elden Ring. Exactly. Same with Baldur's Gate 3. Same with Armored Core 6. Same with, I would say, Blasphemous 2, especially. It's that good. Uh, the gameplay is is the best that I've played. To be fair, uh, tips, you've suggested a lot of times I play Hollow Knight, right? Oh, you're Hollow Knight. You've played yet? I have not beaten Hollow Knight. You'll love it. It's really. so fucking good. Yeah, like, I, I tried to play it two times. I couldn't do it. Definitely an off-stream game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I remember I've done, like, so I'm doing the Prince of Persia game off-stream, and I'm also playing a lot of, like, Grand Blue Fantasy off-stream. And playing a game off stream is a totally different vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially something like Hollow Knight, like super immersive Metroidvania. Like there's so much hidden lore in that game that's just like totally mind blowing that like you really have to digest it off stream, I think. I think Hollow Knight would be an on game stream. It's the way I played it, which is just have a map of where to go. Because I'll be real, um, most people spend more time trying to figure out where to go than actually playing the fucking game. That's why I stopped playing it. Absolutely. It's so fucking hard to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that to me makes it miserable. Like, people like, I did the same for Elden Ring, where people were like, dude, why are you looking up where to go? And he's like, I, I just don't want to walk around aimlessly. I don't like that in games. I'm, start, I'm starting to hate open world games really? because that's kind of just how it is for me. It's yeah. like, I just want to be put on a train tracks. I want to do the content the way it's supposed to be done. I don't, I genuinely do not give a fuck did about it. Did you exploring. beat Armored Core 6? No. I don't want to hear about this shit. Oh, okay. Armored yeah, Core 6 was very good. Yeah. It was very, right. no, that's a fucking right. amazing game. I don't know why I stopped. I uh, I beat the really hard boss, the one who floats in the air, and then he rockets everything, and then you got to fly through the cracks. Oh, so you mean the first boss? Is he the first boss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the oh first God. real boss, I assume? Baltaeus. That's probably him. Yeah. Because I, I got to the point, because this the chat was hyping up this one boss fight that you couldn't beat. It took you like eight hours. Sea C- uh, Spider. Yeah, I think I crushed that, and then I was like, okay, well... Uh, I mean, how much more of the game was there after that? You were about 40% done. Wait, no. I remember what made me quit the game. 
Okay, I remember now. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't a I got busy. I legit quit the fucking game. There was this one fight where it, you have to survive wave after wave after wave of enemies. Oh, I remember. I yeah, I did that one my first try. Yep, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, it's one hundred percent a mech issue. I did not feel like changing it to be a different mech. I just don't fucking care. I'm, I did not give a fuck. I did like four times, and that <laughs> it's such a miserable mission because you have to hear the same dialogue, fight the same fucking enemies, and I'm just like, nah, you know what? I'm fucking good. I rage quit so hard that game. I hope that we see more games like Armored Core 6 come out. Yeah. I really do. Like, I hope we get games that are just like a slice of gameplay that is just S-tier, and that's it. Mm. Like I, the yes. story games, like, you know, I played the Coffin of Andy and Laylee. Those are nice. Those are cute. Super I love good. those, right? They're yeah. great. But I'm mainly a gameplay Andy. I love yeah. gameplay. I love like, you know, in Blasphemous 2, like it is, oh my God, it is so good. Yeah. Is it like, hard to navigate? A little bit, but not really. I mean, okay. like it, it's, it's not even nearly as hard. And like, you know, go back to the Prince of Persia game. You know that problem? You can literally take in-game screenshots in Prince of Persia that will show you the location of different things that you might have missed. So you don't have to like write them down or something like that or use yeah. a website. Like it, it was so innovative. I was so happy to see that. Okay, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And uh, I just want to see more games like that come out. But like Tips, you're right. I mean, like the games that come out, some of them, like, yeah, they don't get the publishing. They don't get any attention on them. Like Among Us is a good example of this, right? Until mm -hmm. Soda Blue that came up. And uh, then besides that, I mean, there's plenty other ones that just never really go anywhere. Like Halls of Torment was like that. I, I remember because I watched Sequisha play Halls of Torment and I was like, this game is fucking awesome. This is insanely cool. And I went and I played it. And then like the player base went up to like, you know, 20,000 people for a while. Like a lot of people discovered this game and that was amazing. And it's also like, you know, games don't get like that kind of, uh, they don't get that attention that they sometimes deserve. But I think also with like these big AAA games, especially these like major studio games, the gameplay is just really not that good. Yeah. And like it, it can be explained, by the way, and for like through macro industry trends. So one of the ways games gets, gets get, uh, games get financed, um, and there's actually a huge gap of understanding, I think. So I can talk about this for a little bit. Um, so one of the ways games get financed is just like any other business model, you have to present a business case, whether you're pitching to a venture capital firm that's going to finance your game, private equity, or you're pitching to a publisher, you have to present a case that this game is going to make tens of billions, whatever, of dollars. And there's a concept when it comes to investment called TAM, T-A-M, Total Addressable Market. If you cannot show that your game has a massive total addressable market to an investor who may, might not be super sophisticated in, in games content or to a publisher who it's just some pencil pusher at the top that like, you know, decides or whatever, um, then you're not going to have, you're, you're not going to get financed. So the reason why a lot of games suck nowadays or they feel super rudimentary or the tutorials feel like they take forever or whatever is because they are designed from the ground up. They do not receive financing unless they can appeal to everyone. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of AAA games have gotten so much worse because the mechanisms that determine their financing are very much anti-hardcore. They're outdated and they're, yeah. they're anti-hardcore slash semi-hardcore gamer, which is what we probably be categorized as. But on the flip side, it's one of the reasons why you see so many successful indie breakouts because indie studios that can make games for much cheaper don't need to abide by the same investment restrictions and they can make brilliant games like, you know, Rotato and Pal World and whatever it is. Right? Rotato. Yeah. Are you sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> no. I wish. I wish, honestly.
that is that is something that I wanted to ask, uh, mm. and I, I would I would feel horrible if I, if I lost my opportunity to ask this. So you were a content creator for how long? I was a content creator for about a little over two and a half years. And you've stepped down yes. pretty much entirely yes. to be. Well, God, it's hard to say what you don't do. Uh, essentially, the big boss. Okay. Did that suck? Or were you excited to take a step back from being a content creator? So, very good question. Um, I had gotten to the point, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about mental state and stuff like that. I had gotten to the point with content creation. I actually vividly remember this. It was the launch of Classic WoW. So, I guess some context. I got into content creation at the end of 2017 after Classic WoW got announced. And I was super excited because this was like the game that I played for so long and I was finally coming back. It had been years and, you know, so many people have been asking for it. Petitions were signed. Content creators used to like make videos. It was on a whole cultural movement. It was a yep. whole movement. And I got into content creation because like, okay, this is the time for me to pursue my passion. It's a sign. I've always wanted to make content, but, you know, I never had the opportunity. And then I started doing it. And then Classic WoW launched, I believe, in August of 2019. And I remember being so freaking miserable during the launch. Damn. And it was because, you know, the stress of streaming and doing content. And we were, we were playing 40-hour sessions, sleeping for six hours, 46, 46, whatever. And at the end of that, like, two to three-week sprint, I vividly remember being in an office and just being like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this, this is the thing that I just waited so many years for. Like, my entire, like existence centered around this game and just this passion. And I freaking hate it now. Yep. Um, and so, but I love doing the tournaments. I love putting on big events. I love putting on big content. I love talking to sponsors. I love talking to the industry on the brand side. And so by the time we got to starting OTK, for me, there was very much a desire to branch off from content creation and get into something that was also, you know, more, more interesting, intellectually stimulating, and also future-proof. So, yeah, day, I've got a family, right? You know, hey, honey, we can't, uh, we can't, you know, go visit family this month because I didn't, I didn't get yeah, viewerships down, yeah. right? Uh, it's January, ad, ad rates low. The sorry, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of lack of uh, consistency um, and forecastability, honestly, is, is what made me want to go behind the scenes. Then again, a startup isn't exactly the, the best place for stability, but you know, I knew we'd find a way, and yeah. we did. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I want to do. Maybe like five, six years. I I think I'll be doing this probably for the next ten years or so. Which, when I say that out loud, kind of freaks me the hell out. Uh, but every single time I think my channel is gonna die, it just does the exact opposite. You guys, you're killing it, and you guys, you two in particular, you guys are talkers, which is great because what is a talker? It's somebody that puts their ideas and opinions out there, and naturally. You know, you put your ideas out there, it echoes back to you in the form of an audience. So you will naturally attract people to watch you for years and years to come. Whereas a gameplay streamer, their form of entertainment is usually their skill or, or whatever it it's is. It's really scary. It's really scary. Because like, if you yeah. have a bad game, if you have a bad day, the more you lose, the lower the viewership gets. Unless you're somebody like Doc. Yeah. Because Doc can do both. Exactly. I mean, cause there's a, cause there's a, but there's a... No disrespect. There's a big difference between a Dr. Disrespect stream and a Shroud stream, right? Because, like, if Shroud were to go... I love Shroud. Sorry. Sorry. If Shroud yeah. were to go live and just yeah. lose for eight hours straight, it would not be good. Well, what he's saying, like, you're saying that people watch Shroud because he's good. He's good. People watch yes. Doc because he's funny. Exactly. Yes. Right? Exactly. And, like, yes. Doc is good and Shroud is funny, but people watch Doc for being funny 100%. and people watch Shroud for being you're right. good. Yes. Yeah, brand, I think that's yeah. true. 
Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like as a gameplay streamer, it's always sad for me to see people that are like attached to one game. And yeah. I'm just talking about World of Warcraft. Like we all know this. Yeah. And uh, it, it's and their stream is just kind of not going anywhere. Like their career isn't going anywhere. They're not doing anything. And I feel really bad for them because in a lot of cases, these are talented, skilled content creators, people that are funny, yep. interesting, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they're just not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. It's, it's like, it's, I would I would have felt that same way about S-Fan. If S-Fan never moved out of Classic WoW. It's the same way I feel about uh, a lot of the Genshin and Backstreamers. Yeah. They are just sitting there, withering away slowly, doing the same thing before that would give them millions yeah. of views. And now they're only getting tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. And uh, yeah, a lot of them generally just need to move on or at least do Genshin plus other stuff. Uh, if I have one piece of advice for content creators, especially gameplay creators, take every freaking sponsorship you can. One million percent. Take them all because you never know when Father Time's going to knock on the door and tell you, hey, sorry, the audience isn't there anymore. Like, yep. just lap it up while you can and hope, you know, save for a rainy day. And hopefully you find another path. But if you don't, at least you've saved up. You know? Absolutely. How much do you think a content creator, if you were to give us a number, what do you think is a good number to have saved for, let's say, a content creator who just turned 30? To have saved? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I would expand if, if, this. If yeah. their future was fucked and they were so stupid. How old are you, Tactown? 30. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just wondering, how much money do you think they need to be saved up so that way in case their channel dies, then they're, just, they're fine. They'll be okay. You would have a raw number. Okay. Yep. I, I want to... Do you want me to just give you a number? Or do you want me to answer in like a really long ranty way? Long ranty way. Okay. So I would say this. Every year you are making content, imagine that that is two or three years where you would otherwise have had employment elsewhere. Like yes. this is how you should register in your mind. So if you've made content for three years and then all of a sudden for whatever reason, you know, the faucet's turned off and you can't make money anymore and you go back to the, you know, you try to go back to a job, that's more of like being six years out of work. That's how you should process it in your own mind. The reason why I suggest you do that is because it puts a sense of urgency behind you to hopefully, you know, work harder and, and try to find your way. Because one of the difficult parts about getting into content, it's actually not, it's not failing. It's like, being in the middle of like success and failure. Absolutely. Where you're like at 500 viewers or 300 viewers, you know, you're just like, I, I'm so close to having my big breakthrough. And then a year goes by, two years, three years, and all of a sudden you're like down to like 98 viewers and yep. you never really break through. That's a very dangerous position it's to really be in. really scary. Very scary. And the, mar you know, the market nowadays is so competitive. So I would say um, to answer your question, yeah. um, if you are a creator that has been making content for three years and you haven't had your breakthrough yet. Personally, I would recommend looking to leverage your skills and your connections and your understanding of content into a more, you know, a more formal creator-based career. Like not as a creator, but an influencer marketing manager or, you know, helping, you know, a social media strategy, et cetera. Um, and then if you're 30 years old and you've been making content for a while, how much money should you have saved up? Assuming you've been out of the workforce for probably six plus years. Yep. Hopefully you got a couple hundred grand in a 401k, you know, okay. maybe. And this is, we're talking about the US, obviously, Austin yep. market rates, et cetera. Europeans might be like, oh my God, that's crazy. But I'm, yeah. in general, um, I hope you have at least a couple hundred K and a 401k kind of accruing. And Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'll be cool. fine though. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay, <laughs> great. Cool, cool, cool. Just yeah. want to make sure. Yeah. I, I was, I thought you were going to say a lot more. 
I think the number that people need, this is going to sound crazy. This might just sound straight up stupid. I think a million dollars is no longer fucking anything. True. Because before you had a million dollars, took care of yourself, took care of your wife, took care of your three kids, and then your kids' kids. You could fill a whole legacy with that amount of money. But these days, I think the new number that people need to strive to get is $5 million. So I would have agreed with you about two years ago. Okay. And the reason why I changed my mind is there is such a demand, like for example, influencer marketing, social media management, et cetera. There's such a demand for these types of careers now. Yeah. And the, in my opinion, the best candidate to fulfill, to fill those career jobs are creators, ex-creators, former creators. Yeah. So in the past, the way I looked at it is if you're a, if you're a content creator, you're essentially putting your life on hold. 100%. And you're, none of the skills that you are acquiring are transferable to any other formal career. You're saying that's different now. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I disagree look, look, now. Look like Shaq. Yeah. I mean, Shaq yes. doesn't play basketball anymore, but he's on ESPN talking about it all the time. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, there's tons Absolutely. of people like that. Exactly. Yeah, and in the past, you know, my perspective was very warped. And it was like, dude, somebody's streaming all day. They're just playing video games. They're not acquiring any tangible skill that they can apply elsewhere. Yeah. Well, nowadays, frankly, after being an OTK and recruiting people for these positions, I found that people that have a content background just tend to understand social media more. They understand, yeah. they've made connections, right? If you want to bring on an influencer marketing manager and you hire somebody that knows like 300 influencers, chances are they're going to do a better job than somebody who went to college for whatever marketing and, and is trying to, exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, that's because yeah. the, the opinion that you used to have is my current opinion. I think it should change. So that perspective, holy fuck. Yeah. yeah. That makes me feel much better, Tips. You should. I get <laughs> Tecton, if you wanted to retire tomorrow and said, yeah. Tips, I'm looking for a job as a social media manager, I'd hire you at OTK right away. That'd be insane. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Good. Because it is scary. And I think a lot of creators do need to hear that. Yeah. Because my whole perspective was, I need to make enough money to retire from now until I die. Because there is no fucking way I can go back to working a normal job. I just yeah. could not do it. it. It is, I find what people do, like for example, fast food workers, that is the hardest shit ever. Yeah. And I think they're very underappreciated for what they do because you, you are literally, at that point, you're monetizing your, your mental state because they treat you like shit. There's nothing that is more demanding. Like I, like yes, streaming can be taxing mentally, yep. but physically demanding uh, it's not even a question. Like yeah. working at a fast food in, in a kitchen. I mean, look at Gordon Ramsay. Look how many wrinkles he has. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, fuck. Yep. It's that simple. 100%. It's just, it's just so hard. Going somewhere where you're not respected, doing shit that's just incredibly mindless. It's not going to challenge you. And you're going to be told that you are a fucking idiot the whole time that you do it. And even outside the work, no one is going to respect you. No, 100%. And it is so hard. So okay. fucking hard. So, I mean, shit, I'm hoping to make at least a million dollars. Just be cruising for a little bit. So, Genshin Impact needs some sponsors, man. Yeah, Come on, true. <laughs> I, I, have you, I can't remember the last time I played Genshin Impact. I actually cannot remember. Wait, no. I played for two days, 13 weeks ago. Mm. And then before then, uh, 13 weeks ago. Yeah. That Very was the, precise. The, that was the release of Fontaine. Okay, yeah. And then uh, before then, it was seven months before that. OTK is 1 million percent the reason why I quit Genshin Impact. 100%. Nice. Oh, You're my welcome. God. Dude, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Oh, my God. That was so bad. When I was known as the Genshin guy, that was fucking miserable. Oh, that was so fucking... It was humiliating. It was I'm glad after putting you in debt, we were able to present <laughs> some value yeah, to guys. you. Yeah, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worded that really bad. Uh, uh, uh. 
shit was funny. <laughs> I thought it was fucking yeah. funny too. Dude, I got a hate thread for that. And then I got another uh, hate thread. Uh, that was me. I'm my ult. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I this guy. believe it. <laughs> I got another one for breaking, uh, breaking Ms. Kiff's piece of shit couch. Oh, really? Oh, did you, how yeah. do you break a couch? Well, Emmy told me to put up the sign. And she told me to put up the sign by getting on the couch and hanging up the sign. Well, how can you break it? Does it not work? You not sit on it? No, you 100% sit on it. But, well, but I broke it. It's eight, not broken. Uh, tell that to, tell us about the LSF. It's not. It, what do you mean it's broken? Like, I, like, if you can sit on a couch, it's not broken. Yeah. I, I have a confession yep. to make. Yep. That'll hopefully make you feel better. I'm ready. I have sat on that same couch. Yep. And I sat on it once and I heard the splintering just by sitting on oh, it. Oh, absolutely. It's not a couch in like a formal sense. It's literally like a, it's this little like sectional thing that like it's made out of maybe a couple pieces of plywood. I don't even know. Yeah. But it is very, very light duty. And I don't blame you at all. Yeah. Because uh, I've potentially cracked it once or twice. Uh, no, I, no, I have also cracked it before then as well. Yeah, yeah. It is a piece of shit couch. Yeah. But uh, people just be getting angry over anything, man. Also, side note of these gamer soups that are coming out soon. Uh, they, they give you forks. That's awesome. Inside the thing. I've never seen another ramen company do that. That is really cool. Is, is, is ramen the word or is that a brand? I think it's I a know. type of, uh, it's a type. Okay. It's not a brand. Yeah, because I know for like, like Advil. Advil's like ibuprofen and instead of menophene or one of those two. Well, yeah, yeah. Like Band-Aids yeah. are like not adhesive bandages. They are Band-Aids. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get mm. what you're saying. Okay. Also, yo, are we going to read this thing or what? Oh, yeah, yeah, we should. Um, so we've got a, a five-star review from Bo 117 probably a Halo fan. Uh, kept me from going insane. I drove from South Carolina to Massachusetts, which is about 17 hours in total. Thank you, Steak and Eggs, for keeping me company the whole time. Holy that's, shit. I'm glad that he told me 17 hours because I have no idea where those two places Dude, are. Dude, that's insane. Because yeah. that's what I do with other podcasts. Really? And then people do that. For, that's nuts. That is so cool. That's a very full circle moment. I love that shit so much. Yeah. I listen to you guys all the time. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. What's Emmy's hottest take you've ever heard? I'm going to be honest. I've watched about like 35 episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Emmy's maybe said one or two things the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, no, uh, honestly, I, nothing's coming to mind right now. Yeah. I wonder what, do you have any hot take that Emmy's had? Um, I don't, I'd have to really think about it. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know that that's something that I, like, sometimes I will say the crazy thing and she'll be like, yeah. Yeah. But like, that's about it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, actually, speaking of that, for the first time ever, Steak and Eggs is coming to you live and unfiltered. Make sure to tune in February 22nd. That is uh, 10 days from now. Yeah, it's 10 days from now. And it's going to be on Emmer's channel. Uh, what time? We're not necessarily sure yet. It'll probably be around the middle of the afternoon. And we will be actually doing an episode live for and that's the first 10 time. days as of recording, but by oh, the time oh, this yeah. goes live, oh, yeah. it'll that's most likely point. be about eight days. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, guys, um, did you have fun on the show? That was great. It was yeah? awesome. Yeah. I want to talk about more stuff. Well, we maybe we will in the yeah. Patreon that oh, you guys no. can go subscribe to if you want to have uh, any more of the steak and eggs nice. goodness. Yeah, there it is. So anyway, guys, thank you all very much for watching. We very much appreciate it. Also, thank you, Tips, for coming thank on, you. taking Thanks time out of your 100-hour work weeks to sure. uh, be part of our bullshit show. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you all in the next one. Peace.
So for each member of OTK, I'm gonna ask you another pretty hard hitting question here. What is something you think they should either do more of or do less of? Starting with Zach. Sure. On a personal level, I don't even think something it's you need to do. I would love to do a four years clean your house. Uh huh. That's what uh -huh. I would love. Yeah. Just what do you think about me, Tips? Honestly, and I just want to caveat this because I just feel like a giant dick for even just saying anything right no, now. No, fuck no. No, no. I yeah. I am in no position to be telling somebody what to do or what but, they should well, work just on. It's because I'm asking. Okay, for yeah. sure. I'll, yeah. For the hypothetical, I think yeah. honestly, Techie, you giving more takes and giving more opinions could do really well. Yeah. But I also think that it would potentially stir up a lot of controversy. So I don't yeah. know if that's something you want to go down the route. Yeah. I, basically, what I'm trying to say is, I think you being you, from a business standpoint, will will probably be good for you. But then again, you know, some of your takes, I, actually, I don't know. You know what? Forget I just said that. Well, so this is, this is <laughs> Don't be opinion. you, Techie. Don't be you at all. Uh -huh. <laughs>